Yeah, this is the Man Up class, and I'm, we're going to go ahead and record this for everybody but Kyle, because he's a deacon and he knows it all. He's supposed to be here today. And uh, who is here is uh, Ethan, Andrew, Michael Cropper, me, and the lesson is going to be taught by Rob. So I always love to come up with a little one-liner uh, as the theme of the lesson. And do you guys, anybody remember the, the one I did last time? I don't know if you guys remember. Um, what ultimate manliness equals? No. Wi- wisdom yeah. and grace. You guys wisdom that? and grace. Yeah, yes. wisdom and grace equals ultimate manliness, which I love that theme of pairing that together. So <laughs> Bill actually referenced it a bit in the open. Um, so we'll, so. You guys will see this throughout the lesson. We'll fill in the blanks as we get down the line. Um, but just think about it for a second. Being bold to share the blank blank equals ultimate manliness. So I think there's lots of definitions of ultimate manliness. I don't think you can perfectly define it. That's but good. That's you want to continue to add on top of that. Um, is sh- share the, I mean, are we going to answer that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, right as, now? As, I, I would say. If, if you want to, yeah, we can do it right now. Being bold to share the right news. As opposed with, mm. it's easy to give good news. It's not so easy to give bad news. Yeah. But I think it's more important to give, especially as men, to give the right. Right. Yeah. The appropriate, I guess that, the appropriate news. Sure, sure. Um, those of you that have read the lesson will probably see exactly what Bill's talking about. And, and the author defines it as, um, anybody... Remember what this might be? It's right, right off what Bill's saying. Same premise. So being bold to share the naked truth. Naked truth. Right. Okay. The naked truth. And we'll define exactly what that means. Um, I think many of us have probably heard this cliche, the naked truth, but don't really know the root of where it comes from. And the author actually talks about it in here, so we'll discover that in a moment. Um, but... We're going to talk a lot about truth and anxiety today. Those are kind of the two baked-in themes in this lesson. Uh, if you guys were to guess top ten fears in America, what would you say they were? Just want to, I want to write down some of what you guys think they are before uh, I find. financial okay. issues. Okay, so finances. Finances. Okay. What else? Public speaking would be number Public one. Public speaking. Okay. I would say death. Fear of death. Okay. Fear of death. Yep. But that's not, it, Bill's telling you exactly what we know of, what they've studied over and over right. again. The fear of death, uh, pardon me, public speaking is is your living. Loneliness. Yeah. Loneliness. Loneliness. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Andrew? Height. Fear of heights. Fear of heights. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going that, I'm That's realistic. Like, Very general, realistic. like general, yeah. every yeah. day. Yeah, you're, yeah, it's funny. you're actually on, on, a, on a better track because... Yeah. We're okay. gonna we're gonna see how much more surface level America really is when we, yeah. when we see what they are. Anything else? Or Ethan, um, you got anything? That could be up there. I think you mentioned finances, right? Yeah, right. I think that that's a good one. Fear that's of being one. poor. Or, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, that's no finance. Status. Um, okay, status. Yeah. Fear of failure, just in general. Humiliation. Yeah. Can I give you guys a hint? Think higher power, not necessarily the oh. spiritual realm, but the physical realm. Number one. Number one. Number one. It's what again? Seventy-five percent are worried about corrupt government officials. <laughs> I 
Are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah, 75%. Like kind of 75%. The Why biggest, would you fear it? Fear. This was in 2017. I mean, at this point, don't you kind of have very to recent. just accept it? Very recent. Right. <laughs> there's no one else running. No, you're crazy, you vote, right? vote for the most corrupt one that you agree with. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, after Hillary Clinton and... and, and sure. Uh, Sure. What's it, our president uh, right now? Sure. You don't know what to believe. And, I mean, and they and we can't find yeah, somebody I mean, of ethics and moral in there. That's a great point. Okay. That knows when yeah. to talk and say right stuff. Okay. Absolutely. Here's the thing. While we're going down this rabbit hole, just let me <laughs> let me just say something. I don't look for moral or spiritual leadership from an elected official. I just don't. You know. That's why I come to church, and that's why I interact with you guys, like-minded guys, yeah. so I can go out in the world and make some kind of sense out of my life. You know? Yeah, so I think, oh, that's, I think that's what's that's interesting. Correct. You know, if you do a separate poll, same sample size, same people, they'd probably tell you 75% are Christian, right? Right. So <clears throat> notice in this class, us as believers come to church every week, you know, being concerned about corrupt government officials isn't even on our list, right? Yeah. So it just shows you the hearts of folks and how much, how much pull government officials have in their life, or how much physical leaders in their life, whether it's a government official, whether it's a boss, whether it's a teacher, a coach. Um, well, I think it's how much impact, it's you know, what you crazy. allow to influence your life. People that yeah. don't go to church, for example, if I didn't come to church. The only person I'd know here would be Andrew, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met any of you guys, right? Okay, and then my my circle of influence would be so much smaller, right. you know. And then maybe I might be all upset based on whether I live uh, watch CNN or Fox News, or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it, that's a bigger part of my life. Whereas, you know, two days a week. You know, I spend Wednesday and Sunday here. It influences my life in a positive way, except for Mike. Still haven't been able to shake him. Wiz or Mike Crawford? Michael Crawford. Of course, of course. You're Michael Crapper. Well, I mean, look at this stuff. Well, look at this stuff. War. So, yeah, war's on there. And here's the thing. The vast majority of those people have never been in the military. Look how three of these are pollution. Pollution of oceans, pollution of drinking water, and air pollution. Get a Brita. You know? Okay. Okay, what's... Is that Can't even drink of This nine. is North Korea using North Korea. weapons. Oh, okay. NK. Okay. Just should, yeah. Little fat boy? I am not. We will take him out. So money was the only exactly. Money was the only one that's actually on this list, and it's not until number five. And and you know what? The people on that they watch way too way too much TV, way too much media. They do. They do. That's media influence. That shows how influential media has been on people. And for medical bills to be this high, it made me question. Okay, people have a lot of free time to worry about all of these things. Their medical bills are high. I think you can it seems assume like that maybe retired folks uh, might have filled this out. I feel like <laughs> the majority of people who made this list live in the city, you know, like major populated. Yeah, could yeah make, okay. Could make. That's a good point. Well, it's like the more news you watch, it seems like the more negative me, the more pessimistic I become. So I kind of had to yeah, it's true. really take it in moderation, you know. That's a great point. Watch 
Fox News 24 7. That's how I feel about social media. Unplugged from Facebook for, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the news stations decide what is news for you. Well, they do. I mean, too. you yeah. may not want to look at it, but it, it's a fact. You, you get, what, 30 minutes of news, you get two or three stories, and they're all going to be negative most of the time. Maybe with a, a common, oh, five minutes on something that's absolutely ridiculous, right? Like so-and-so's dog got found after the flood, and they spent two or three minutes, and, and you're going there paying, these sponsors are paying, what, five million a minute or three million a minute for this? And it, you, you have an interest story? And then I, I have a degree in journalism and, and TV news, Really? And they said, no. yeah, yeah, or Man. broadcast news, broadcast news. Yeah, yeah, say got those secrets so you're pulling out of your hat. Be there. careful with what you present. You can control what they believe. Well, see, here's and the, they do it. They absolutely yeah. do that. Yeah. But as men, I think it's up yeah. to us to regulate what we allow in our brain, and especially, yes. and also in our kids. Prime example: my wife is a TV watcher. She will ha have the TV, TVs on all the time. I'm a reader. If the TV is on and it has to be on, I'll turn it to a music channel so I can read. I choose the quality and the topic of items to put in my mind. I used to like when Houston had two papers, the Post and the Chronicle. I got them both. Because it was amazing how one paper would write about one topic, another paper Absolutely. would totally ignore it, or you'd read it and it was a, it seemed like a totally different story. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's the thing. And I think to truly be, to lead, you can't just re or listen to the same stuff that everybody else has, because then you'll have the same opinion. Mm -hmm. You're not leading. You're, you're, you're another one of the group think followers. Yeah, and take it a level further. Think about all the history lessons we learned in school or you know, even reading the Word of God. It's like, okay, we know this is divinely inspired. Some of the lessons that we've learned of history of you know, the past 50, 100, 200 years, and even beyond, well beyond that, it's, it's definitely filtered through a lens. And we don't necessarily wear... Uh, it's usually on the side of the winner. That's what we always say, right? Whoever won the war gets to write the history book. Um, so <clears throat> it's interesting right. to think about that, you know, to see how that plays out, not just in media or papers today, but also the in the history and what we know. Yeah. Many, many the winner writes the book. Yeah. How many of their textbooks yeah. have taken out the fact that George Washington and a lot of leaders were Christian have taken yeah. out any references to that yeah. in the textbooks? Yeah. Where we, when yeah. we were in... High school. It was a big deal. School. Yes. I can remember yeah. I was six years old whenever the principal came in and said we were just informed from the U.S. Supreme Court that we cannot say the Lord's Prayer anymore. I was six years old in the first grade. Oh, okay. I remember that. So it used to be said in school. In schools. Yeah. Oh, yes. Every yes, day. yes, yes, yeah. Really? Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know that. Did y'all say it? Uh -uh. Did y'all say it? Uh -uh. Oh, no, no. I remember the Pledge of Allegiance. That was it. Came in. She said we can still say the Pledge of Allegiance under God, but uh, we cannot. This is interesting because I was reading an article the other day and people were making, trying to make the fact that nowhere in the Constitution does it say separation of church and state. It says that our government shall not form a state religion. Right. You're correct. And I think You're correct. people have yes. taken it oh, just out totally of context. Misconstrued it, yeah. 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 Right. And now it's been removed from everything and 
like you said, you even mentioned the word prayer in school, you're probably ostracized or something. But here's the thing, though. Uh, we can always, like what you were saying earlier, we can always look for a silver lining e even in the black cloud. And this is, uh, I was talking with my dad about this several times, this topic kept coming up. And what he said is this, you can't, we're, we're, we're kind of like uh, the Israelites in exile, okay? Our country is turning away from being a, uh, a religious country. It's becoming a secular state. But we need to observe our own traditions and stuff so we keep together as a community. And if, and the thing about it is, if the government isn't necessarily sponsoring it, it falls on us for us to determine what part of our religion and traditions are important enough to us to continue on our own, even if our government doesn't yeah. sanction it. You know? And so that should make us more devout. Because if we're going through the motions because the government allows it and says it, a lot of people aren't going to believe it. Well, let's go ahead and dig right. in, and, and that's a perfect segue to seeing, I mean, if we want to call it a government, a people that get completely overrun by somebody else. Right. Um, if, you guys, if you guys don't have your book open, let's turn to 76, and we'll go ahead and read through the scriptures. So, <clears throat> I'll start at verse 1. We'll just read um, the whole passage, 29, Jeremiah 29, 1 through 14. Let's just alternate every every three verses. So I'll start, and Ethan will just go around this way. So you'll be next. Yeah. Boy, so I'll read one through three. Lesson, three, three just, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Three, 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 six. Six. Yeah. So you'll read lesson. like four through six, and then Andrew <laughs> oh, will pick up at seven. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll each read three okay. verses. So, Okay, <clears throat> verse one. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah, Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of uh, Elasa, son of Saphon, Shaphan, and Jamaria, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare for thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For, for it is a lie that they are 
prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are complete, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, plans to give you hope and future. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you to into exile. Great. Thanks, everyone. Look at that. It worked out perfectly. Each. Um, so I'm going I'm to give a brief overview of the setting here, and I'll read a few excerpts from the book. Um, but the theme right now of the setting, just imagine to try to be empathetic to what they're experiencing right now, So, um, which is uh, the fear and anxiety of losing their home, uh, being taken captive, um, and becoming an exile. So just think about that briefly. Uh, as I'm reading through and kind of painting the picture of the setting here. Um, So, essentially, when Jeremiah appeared as God's prophet to Judah, there was three nations battling for world uh, world supremacy. So, Assyria, Babylon, and Egypt. Uh, Babylon emerged as the dominant power, uh, bringing down Assyria in 612 B.C. and crushing Egypt in 605 B.C. So, in the meantime, right, Judah is kind of mainly what we're talking about today. Judah imploded after years of weak and wicked leadership. Uh, Judah's decline began with King Manasseh, uh, who did evil in the sight of the Lord for half a century. So he was a ruthless and godless in character. Uh, Manasseh submerged Judah into darkness that continued through most of the succeeding monarchs. So Judah was already on the decline. So that's kind of the initial setting here. Um, So in response to the wickedness of God's people, this is where Jeremiah comes in. Jeremiah pronounced God's judgment on the nation of Judah. Uh, He announced the coming destruction of the temple, removal of the king, and exile of the people. Um, so that would not be good news to hear from your prophet, that you're, <laughs> you're going to lose your king, you're going to lose your land, and uh, the temple's going to be completely destroyed. I, I'm not sure what worse news you could possibly hear. You know, imagine well, if that happened They if that didn't happened believe him here. either. Yeah. yeah, if you read Jeremiah, they yeah. did not believe him. Yeah. They threw him in bread and water in the... Uh, yeah. uh, and normally they killed. They were killing prophets back then for telling the truth and pro- prophesying the end of the Judah kingdom in Israel. Yeah. And um, God interceded for Jeremiah. He said, you must preach it. You must tell him what I'm telling you, and I'll protect you. And he was, at one point, he was thrown into a cell that was in mud. And a friend of his came and went and pleaded with the king, and, and they took him out of it because he would have died. He would go in there. But, yeah. But, um, Sounds similar to uh, Daniel, right? When he was thrown into the alliance. Hey, you, know, you guys remember the movie Stuart Little? Is that with the mouse? With the mouse. The, the, I don't know yeah. if I'd seen it. Yeah, the mouse got, uh, was lost or whatever, and they went to the police station. This reminded me of this scene. <clears throat> and the, uh, the uh, detective goes, you want it straight? And they're all nervous. Uh, no. Naked no, truth. No, we don't, no, we don't <laughs> want it straight. And they go, he's probably home waiting for you right now. And then the guy goes, uh, I think I want it a little straighter than that. And that's us as people. We don't really want the truth 
hmm. unless it's a truth that we can handle. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's all, it's almost like we put we precondition what we'll accept as the truth. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it may be due to fear of the repercussions. Um, Jeremiah was thrown into a cell, and his people rejected him for what he was saying. Right? Um, yes. Right. So Absolutely. sometimes the reason we don't share the truth is either I think it's mostly rooted in the fear of what backlash may come on to us. You know. Yeah. Um, right. So I wanted to share briefly the the naked truth um, history and where that comes from. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read it, but I wanted to give you a quick overview as we kind of lead into what happened after Jeremiah. Like you said, Mike kind of gets thrown in after he lets his people know what's, what you know, thrown into a cell after he lets his people know what's going to happen. So it says, according to the old fable, truth went swimming one day. While truth was in the water, falsehood stole truth's clothing and left its clothing behind. However, truth refused to wear the clothing of deceit when it came out of the water. From that ancient fable comes the modern day phrase, the naked truth. Hmm. So you guys know where that, where that came from. People say, I just want the naked truth. Well, being bold to share the naked truth equals ultimate manliness. So Jeremiah expressed ultimate manliness here. He lived up to, he, he lived up to that expectation. Um, just to give a brief overview, we're going to talk a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar. So he was the most prominent king uh, of the renewed Babylonian Empire, uh, as mm-hmm. many of you may know, um, which was initially founded by, founded by his father. So Nebuchadnezzar, when Nebuchadnezzar died, he ended up passing that down to his son, who was very evil. Um, Merodach, I think is how you say his name, uh, succeeded him. So just wanted to give that very brief overview of who Nebuchadnezzar is. A uh, lot of power. Uh, he, you know, once he, you know, uh, took over Babylon, uh, it talks about how he, you know, uh, made these uh, beautiful uh, temples and, and different things to uh, one, I guess, which is now considered um, one of the seven wonders of the world. I don't know if you guys read that. Uh, so he, you know, he was all about um, the pomp and circumstance of, you know, building a beautiful city and um, erecting these large things. Um, he in uh, fact so took all the gold the from the temple, didn't he? Yeah, took it all so. back to Babylon. I believe right? so. so. Yeah, he conquered them with siege walls and everything. Yeah. And took all the wealth that was in there from Solomon and David and everything back to Babylon. Right? Yeah. So and then he he also um, he also so after the overthrow, he he appointed a king. Um, and uh, he was disappointed by this king, so he ended up coming back mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, taking everybody captive, which mm-hmm. I believe, um, yeah, was over was over ten thousand. So um, he brought the king over ten thousand inhabitants of Judah, uh, excuse me, not Babylon, Judah, and brought him back to um, uh, Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put his eyes out, killed his kids yeah. in front of him. Yeah, yeah, terrible. So. Evil guy, um, you know, it was all about uh, power and wealth. Um, so uh, that's the setting and the situation of where uh, the exiles are currently in. So they're under this king who uh, feels like, you know, hey, uh, took over your land, gave you another chance, you failed me again. Now I'm just going to take you captive and strip you all of your land and your freedom, and and not, not, now you're my prisoner essentially. Um, but even through all of this turmoil, um, the fear and anxiety of what's going on, losing their land, look at, look at Jeremiah's response still amidst all of this uh, uh, t- 
terrible, you know, turmoil that that's that's going on within the people. So he still he says two things that the 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 theme of where the setting grows. Uh, he tells his captors. He says, "Listen, I know you want your land back, but establish roots here and now because mm-hmm. you're not going to get your land back for a while." However, he does say there will be a time when you'll be able to return home. So that hope is still there. Uh, but he takes it even a step further. And what does he say? He says, pray for your captors. So pray for Nebuchadnezzar. Pray for those that have enslaved you and captured you. Um, and find a way to find that essentially joy in the moment. Um, kind of a final theme I want to talk about today is uh, really as men, uh, it's 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 hard for us, and we kind of talked about this last week, it's hard for us to either get out of the past and what, what's happened to us in the past or what sins or wrongdoings we've done in the past, um, or we think a little bit too much about the future just because we struggle to live in the present. Mm. Um, and I love Jeremiah's message here to the people of Judah um, who have been taken in exile, um, taken captive and are now living in exile too, to always hope, uh, but also figure out a way to find joy in the present. Um, which is such a great such a great message as men and wanted to get your guys thoughts on that you know what does that look like to well i like the i like the way that he i hate to say spun it but yeah i mean he took the situation and instead of saying you guys are screwed you're going to be here a long time you're (laughs) not going to go back which is all true which is all true you know but what he did he focused on the good part the silver lining man plant a garden Eat what you grow. Mm-hmm. Marry some women. I mean, yeah, they're not all. Ugly. They're not all ugly. So, no, whatever, whatever. But it's still controversial, right? Because he encourages them. You know, yeah. have relationships with your captors. With your captors, not yeah. just with your own people. That's right. And you know, <clears throat> you know, have children. Watch them get married and stuff. Or in other words. Yeah. You are going to be here a long time. And the, and the children they're going to have, Babylon's all they're going to know. They're not going to know. That's right. It's yeah. just about these stories and the lens of history, right, that we talked about earlier that their parents have to tell them. Well, and, and see, know? that's it's the interesting. Thing. We focus on the micro, us, yeah. our mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 60. Well, I've got, what, 20? Maybe See, yeah, but 60 is the new years. 40. 60 is the new 40, Bill. Uh, actually, it's the new 60. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. They're focused on their life. Jeremiah mm-hmm. is doing the macro, mm-hmm. is evaluating the whole situation in front of them and, and setting them on the path for their oral history to tell to their children. You know, that's a great point. And think about that for a second. Jeremiah is prophetic. He can see the future, right? Right. So he could just for 30 years, a little less than 30 years, I think it says they're going to be in captivity, what, 27, 20 years? Yeah. He could just be telling them, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Don't worry. Hope is coming. It's going to be down the road. But, and avoid the naked truth. You know, he he could have just told them, hey, the future looks brighter. Just keep thinking about that. But instead he said, this is this is gonna suck. I mean, in so but he spun it though to, spun to it give it to give it kind of like to take it another a level. home feeling. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's what you make, make this it. home. It's what you make it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It must absolutely. Have been just very humbling having somebody tell you pray for your captors. And it's like praying for somebody you don't necessarily care for. It's 
kind of a difficult thing to do, you know, especially when you've been enslaved. But, yeah. <laughs> I'd say. I, 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 absolutely. No yeah. question about it. Yeah, it's hard to even comprehend being in that situation. Well, yeah. see, that's, that goes back to that uh, forgiveness. Yeah. I don't know he, how y'all how are, but... I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead and finish what you're saying. I'm sorry. No, it's, you know, if you're going to retain being bitter, that's like having a mouse problem. Yeah. Eating yeah. rat poison and waiting for the <laughs> mouse to die. It's stupid. I'm very fortunate. Uh, many of the people who work under me are Christians. I don't know why it is, but many prosecutors drawn to prosecute many times are Christians, and mm. I don't know why that is. I don't know why. Justice. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It, but yeah. And, and God's and put him in that place. The prosecutor yeah. by me is a strong Christian. We sometimes mm. pray before we start work. But uh, <laughs> you, you will. I'm very fortunate. All I'm saying is I'm, I'm just very fortunate. So I don't mm. uh, have to deal with some of what you have to do and deal in most cases where. I was looking at the next lesson again. I read the next lesson, looked at it several times. The, the author Skip says ahead, that you have, a, um, you have to deal with the people you work with, and they embarrass mm. you. They will embarrass you if you don't if you don't put the Bible off your desk and hide it. In many cases, mm. in other words, you cannot stand for what you believe because they will make fun of you. Mm. And and everything like that. I'm fortunate. I don't have to. I don't have to deal, deal with that. Well, I know Kyle is going to be listening to this, but basically everybody knows Kyle when he goes out as a salesman. He has a cross on mm -hmm. his uh, mm -hmm. collar, and in his world, it's opened up discussion because he's a salesman. Yeah. 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 So it, I guess it, it really kind of depends on how you use it or or your uh, mm -hmm. your activity whereas i'm absolutely mm -hmm. certain if andrew wore a cross or a church shirt to school it wouldn't help him any yeah he might do do right yeah it wouldn't either either people would either make fun of me or they just wouldn't care enough to hmm. mention it because you know college everyone's just i feel like you see, they're there for themselves, you know? Yeah. I'm right. here to study. If you do what you want, like, however you do the class is what is none of my business. I could care less. I'm here to do for my me. part. I'm here to do my part from 9 to 11, and I'm out. Right. I paid for 9 to 11. From 9 to 11, I'm going to be there, you know? Right. Rarely, rarely, the most people help each other out is, hey, do you have an extra pencil? Sure. <laughs> I mean, we, that's about unless you yeah. have friends there, of course. Yeah. But you know, other than that, it's yeah, pretty nonchalant. Yeah, yeah. So to to uh, to wrap up that specific discussion on how the setting developed, um, you know, I think the question we'd ask ourselves when when we have a plan that doesn't line up with God's plan, um, clearly the people of Judah, <laughs> this wasn't their plan. Uh, but God had had a different plan for them, you know. Um, and then we see how Jeremiah responds. Uh, we need to ask ourselves the question: How do we respond? Um, just like we were talking about, do we respond to bitterness, frustration, mad at God, mad at others, victim mentality, um, or do we say, "Hey, let's let's make relations with the folks we have. Let's 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 love. Let's pray for our enemies." And, and, and do, do we own what, what, what we're supposed to own? Um, 
I wanted to bring up a um, case study. I don't know if you guys saw this in here. I thought it was, in, in, in a sensitive way, a little bit applicable to our church. That's the reason I wanted to share it and get your guys' thoughts. I don't know if you had read that. But the case study says, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it and then curious to get your guys' thoughts. It says, after a two-year interim period at your church without a pastor, the search committee announces a candidate. After the candidate preaches, the congregation calls him, and a month later, he becomes the pastor of your church. However, his messages differ in many ways from those of your former pastor. I, I didn't know the former pastor, but I know, I know you guys did. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the messages be different from former pastor to Taylor, uh, but just in general as well, uh, maybe from personal experience or not, the question is, what guidelines can you employ to determine the validity of his assertions and promises? I can tell you this. I've been at this church um, for almost 30 years now. And the senior pastors that we've had, the, the three senior pastors, Ken Kaur, he came up with a uh, three-ring binder, and he read each word, and each word was important. Okay. You mean when he important. preached, he would read each he word off of He would read each word oh, wow. off of his binder. Wow. Very intellectual guy. And you'd leave going, wow, I need to process this. He did no pastoral care. We had another pastor that did that. Ken was an administrator, preacher. Phil, our last one, <laughs> Phil could take the Bible and just throw it open and start preaching. <laughs> he was a preacher's teacher. Hmm. You'd have notes. He goes, okay, and from this lesson you get this, and from this verse you get this. And he had his notes out. He was training you up. Hmm. And now Taylor seems to be a more compassionate, he's younger, he's more millennial appropriate, hmm. age appropriate, whereas Phil was 70, you see? So in a way, hmm. the, their styles mirror the maturity, spiritual maturity of the church hmm. is what ours did. Ken was kind of an entry level. Phil was a preacher teacher. Now we're back to Taylor, who seems to be more of a entry level, bringing people in uh, kind of guy. So each one mm. has been different. And what seeker we, friendly is that what you mean by entry seeker level? Friendly. Seeker yes, friendly? Exactly. Got yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, here's the thing. You have to decide how you're going to be led in your spiritual journey. The pastor certainly is one component of mine. Hmm. This class is a component. But I also read and I watch pastors on TV as well. And it's a mosaic of what I allow to influence and hmm. mentor my path. Absolutely. And, and I think that's one way you have to look at bringing in a new pastor it may not fit me hmm. but it may fit someone like him you know when 
I'd been uh, charismatic. I don't know if I'd said that. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. I was charismatic for a long time, and it didn't matter to me whether I was getting fed because I was going to get fed someplace, just mm -hmm. like you just said. Right. It's whether my children are getting fed. That mm -hmm. was the most important. So we ended up at the Baptist Church because they reach for children and they train them good. We ended up going from a charismatic church to a Baptist church, and my ex had only been raised in a charismatic church, so she did not know different. But when we got to Baptist church, which happened to be Sugar Creek, the kids were getting fed, and boy, she latched onto that. She loved it. Mm -hmm. Y'all have a, uh, the Baptists have a great, um, um, whatever, base for reaching children. Mm -hmm. They really do, and that's what I cared about. As long as my children are getting fed, man, I'll, I'll learn the Bible from yeah. somebody else, whoever it needs to be, from the, from the radio TV. Uh, yeah. I, the saying that came to mind, too, when I read that case study was, you know, study like the Bereans. Or you guys have heard that, yeah. heard that yeah. phrase before. What? No. The Bereans. The, yeah. So the Bereans were people that everything that was said, they would test it. They'd go to Scripture. They'd validate what was said to mm -hmm. see if it was biblically accurate. And uh, that was the first thing that came to mind for me that, yes. like, just like you're both saying, uh, Bill and Mike, you know, it doesn't matter who's up at the pulpit, but if they're preaching God's word and it's it's speaking to some folks and it's truth, it's the naked truth mm -hmm. uh, right. of God's word, that's all that matters, you know, oh, yeah. in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Uh, so. Some of it's going to stick and some of yeah. it is really going to help you. And you're going to be the guy that in, in a crisis... And, and, and so many people say, <clears throat> well, what kind of leader are you? You're a leader in crisis because that's when people definitely need a leader. Mm -hmm. And the other time, well, you can decide to lead or not. It doesn't really matter. But when it's crisis time, that's when mm -hmm. they're looking that's to the man. Yeah. And the man, and, and that's the thing about it. Each of these people, these pastors, have given examples of how they've led. And it's all different. Phil gave a funeral. I was here with a pistol in his pocket because there was a death threat. And the at guy came at, his funeral. at wow. a funeral wow. because the, the two people were broke up. The wife died. The... Boyfriend thought the husband had something to do with it and he was going to kill him. Called in a death threat and Phil goes, memorial service is going on. Well, and he had a pistol well, in his pocket well, when he okay. did it. Man. And he would have taken him out. That's protecting your flock. Isn't that, it? is abs that is being a leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost willing to sacrifice your life. to. Exactly. Mm. I did neglect to mention this. I started off in the Baptist Church. <laughs> oh, <did laughs> we went to Karis, right? Then came back to Baptist. Coming back, oh, right, 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 I forgot right. to say that I was in Baptist Temple in the Heights. That's oh, where okay. I started off, grew up, and everything. So I forgot to say that. And one thing, y'all, and I tell everybody this: I said, "You want to hear the Word of God? Go to Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether you're Catholic, whether you're Methodist, whatever. They're very mm -hmm. dependable in preaching the Word of God. Yeah, period. Yeah. And so I went charismatic for a long time, and, and I knew come back to, to Baptist Church because I get the word you, of God there. What, what, what's your background? What was your more more non-denominational, um, which I, in my opinion is still a denomination. Uh, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It just doesn't want to be, you know, have a classification. That's right. But no, I think it, it was more of a missions-based church, so mm -hmm. you know they probably mm -hmm. spent 
half of their time, you know, with missionaries and funding missionaries okay. into other countries, but non-denominational. Large church like this size, two to three thousand. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, but then, you know, I went to a different sect of. Um, uh, I was in the Reformed Baptist sect for a long time, so How is that? E even How yeah. Is that different? Uh, so um, so the the main difference is the salvation aspect, right? Okay. So okay. Reformed Baptists believe that we as 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 fallen people cannot choose God; He has to choose us. So okay. the th okay. the the yeah predestination. Yeah. So tulip. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, five premises to, you know, how God's salvation works and and, okay. and how we are to be sanctified as His people. But essentially, um, it's either it's election versus free will. Um, so yeah, it, we were in that realm for wow. three or four years. So we learned a lot about doctrine. We learned a lot about the Scripture. We were able to look at it from a different lens. Um, right. Mm -hmm. But you know, uh, we, we we think there's there's truth uh, to both sides. Uh, it's kind of where you know. Danny and I have come to a lot of our theological study, but um, you know, I think I think uh, when you focus too much on doctrine, you lose the heart of God and and really uh, the the love that He's trying to uh, to show through us to others. When you focus too much on doctrine and trying to understand each verse for exactly what it means, and you, uh, there's arguments over that, you know, you lose love. You lose the whole point. Your perfect example of so. that is Jesus Christ coming through the prostitute. Yeah. Out of a, yeah. what, what, Jericho, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, God didn't handpick that line to be a perfect priestly line. They didn't come out of Levites. They came yeah. from the tribe of Judah, right? And this is a perfect example of what you just said. It doesn't matter. He, the Levites are his priestly tribe, but he put the line of Christ through Judah. Love, love should always be the ultimate. It shouldn't. You should, yeah. There should never be a, a line drawn in the sand just like the Pharisees did, right? I mean, right. Jesus <laughs> had to correct them all the time because they were about the law and their doctrine, mm -hmm. and this is how it has to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so we have to be careful not to fall into that oh, same yes. trap, um, just yeah. to be right. <laughs> so that was the reason we kind of evolved. So yeah, I guess we're at a Baptist church. I, I don't even know that we would, after the realm of, of several different denominations we've been through. I don't even know that we'd classify ourselves. Oh, we're, I'm a Baptist or I'm a, you know, we, we love Jesus and, and we're Christians and we want to continue to grow and, and love others, right? I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, when I, I picked out um, this Baptist church, I, well, I picked out Baptist when I moved down here because what I knew about my own faith was this. I believed in the Trinity. Hmm. Um, and I also believe that I didn't need to go through saints. I believed in soul competency, mm. and I was Protestant. Which and I guess takes the, the Catholicism takes the, the equation. Yeah, yeah, and I had, and yeah. I even had a debate. I have a sister, and I tell her because she wanted to get married so bad. That's why she converted to Catholicism. Got it. And but she told me was telling me about the religion. I just told her I go. I, I don't understand because you were raised Protestant. Just like me, yeah. that you'd want to all of a sudden start going through saints as opposed with yeah. going direct intermediaries. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean that's fine, but that's not for me. Yeah. And so, I mean, I had certain things that I wanted, and I wanted to be mentored on my spiritual journey, but I don't want to be told what to do. And I think that, and I, that's what I've enjoyed about the Baptists. 
Mm-hmm. I've had some awesome Sunday school teachers. Mm-hmm. One guy was a truck driver. Uh, another guy is an attorney. I've had, I mean, all different yeah. types of people. And it's just been awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's been a mentoring. And, and all of that is what creates your belief. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. So true. Yeah, it is true. Well, I want to close with this. Um, uh, Anybody have their Bible they could look up a verse for me while I start reading? Oh, Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Yeah, I brought. Oh, you have yours? uh, Ethan, Ethan, you got it? Uh, Matthew, easy book to find. Um, Just Matthew 6.34. Matthew chapter 6.34. If you wouldn't mind turning there, and I'm just going to read 6.34. Yeah, I'm just going to read this paragraph while you're turning there. Uh, on page 82, if you guys want to follow along to, you can. Second paragraph, page 82. From the exiles, we learn the enigma of life. If God is a God of power and a God of love, why does he seem unwilling or unable to help us in some of our most difficult circumstances? The answer to that question, of course, rests in the mystery of God's purpose. We should do a study on the mystery of God. I love that. They yeah. use that. They use that, yeah, they use that word awesome. a lot in, All the time. in Scripture. Awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's right. a really fun word. So many mm-hmm. meanings. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, his ways are not our ways. The answer to that question also rests in part in God's person. The response of a holy God to sinfulness is always judgment, even if those doing the sinning are his chosen people. Sometimes we create dilemmas because of our unfaithfulness. I probably would have added something like, but the grace of God and, and Jesus' sacrifice um, allows us to part from that sin and be to be forgiven daily when we confess our sins. I would have probably added something like that on there. But You got that, Ethan? You got that? You want to read six, Matthew 6.34? Just Matthew 6.34. Yes, sir. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. That's been the theme of our discussion, I feel like, right. the last couple weeks. Well, and, and here's the, about here's the, the thing the about, uh, I've never expected um, God to solve all my problems. Because God is not Santa Claus, not the spiritual Santa Claus. <laughs> but God has given me the capacity to either fix my problems or deal with my problems mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and I think because of faith and mm-hmm. my belief yeah that I've been anointed to do that mm-hmm. fix the problems or at minimum deal with them you know God's not Santa Claus so he makes Ra- the burden easier that's right. Oh, Rob, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Love your love your list. That's right. And that's Absolutely. and this is for you, Kyle. <laughs>